0: British Spy Stories Season 2 The Kill Order Episode 6 "'Come in, my dear,' says Sir Bernard, as Ella Perez hovers near the open door to his inner office. "'We're looking at the Operation Erith data, aren't we?' "'Yes, sir,' she says, and walks to the sofa at the far end of his large office, and sits with her laptop still unopened on her knees. Sir Bernard is scanning papers on his desk as she waits. Lawrence appears in the doorway. Sir, he says. Sir Bernard looks up. We have a blue flag three from control, sir. He says, referring to a potential problem in a live op, where level three indicates a concern, but not yet a priority. Ask Marcus to pop in after this to brief me, would you? Yes, sir. Sir Bernard walks and sits down opposite Ella, then smiles. Are you well, Miss Perris? She forces a smile, which answers his question as a no. In his years as a field agent, Sir Bernard developed both a sophisticated charm and the skill to read people. How is everything in investigations branch? He says watching her eyes. Very busy, sir. Unusually, so," says Sir Bernard, trying to tease out more words than she wants to say on the topic. I think so. Why do you think that is? he says. There are more requests for confidential data analysis. She thinks her heart is going to stop, as she can feel it in her throat, beating faster and faster. Sir Bernard's face is a model of neutrality. One area that is constantly asking for our sensitive data is MI5 Ops Control. Five don't have the same clearance protocol as we do, Ella. It's the only time he has ever used her first name. What sort of data do they ask for? About our Ops and Asset Fars, she says. Sir Bernard soaks up the words and the nuances. In his mind he decides to do something but he doesn't tell her what. It's good that you're busy, he says, and gives her a big smile. Now, Erith, shall we? He indicates her laptop, and she opens the machine and hits the power button to start her feedback. The secure comms room in the basement of Gabby's flat is cold today. There's one tiny electric heater at one end, and Gabby forgot to turn it on earlier. So she has her coat on as she dials into the video conference with Major Rogers, Officer Commander of the Special Air Service B Squadron. That is the team currently deployed into active service in support of MI6 in Europe. The screen is black at first, then audio clicks in. Finally, the video rolls in from the side and Rogers appears in uniform. Agent Blackhawk, he says. He has dark hair and a buzz cut. His eyes are black and unforgiving. Hello, Major. Tell me about this request. He wastes no time on pleasantries. We have an injured asset who needs extraction from the grid ref that is on the docket, she says. Belarus, he says. The asset is a 66-year-old who has a torso wound from small arms fire. When did the injury occur? Early hours of this morning. The asset was being transported over the border into Poland. Illegally? This is part of Operation Windfall, where we're tracking a migration gang bringing potential security assets from Belarus into the EU, she says. The asset was being tried." I don't need to know the background, Blackhawk. Major? This docket, says. He reads from the paper in front of him. Extraction, no enemy presence. There's a grid ref for the chopper to land. Looks simple enough. I'd like to accompany your troops, she says. No. There's a pause while she thinks about how she can respond. You'll get one patrol for this, he says. That is four blades, a signals chap, a demo man, a medic, and a linguist. They operate as an integrated team, Black Hawk. There's no room for hangers-on. Can I ride as an observer? Observing what, exactly? Says Rogers. I'd like to talk to the asset when we get there. Is this asset friendly or enemy? Friendly, she says. But he has important intelligence that we need to know. It's from his time in Moldova, working with the Serbian mafia. He can ID people who are now key to our Eastern Europe ops. You want to do an interrogation in the field? Rogers is getting, obviously, annoyed. Nothing about that in this docket that came through from your London control? It's classified top secret, Major. The agent in the field doesn't know the importance of asset Coda. She's only been told he's a minor irritant to the authorities. Major Rogers drops his eyes to the desk in front of him while he thinks. You thinking this Coda chap might pop his clogs during the extraction? He says. And you'd lose your source? Yeah, exactly. Rogers takes a long, low breath out. OK, he says, finally. We're flying out of Dublin Air Base. It's an hour by car from Warsaw. You'll need to be in Dublin at 0100 hours. We'll depart whether you're there or not. Thank you, Major. Marcus Murphy is waiting to see Sir Bernard. The senior man puts his head around the adjoining door to his office and beckons him in. "'A blue flag, Marcus.' "'Coniston, sir,' says Murphy. "'She's on an op and we've lost comms.' "'When?' Murphy looks at the paper in his hand. "'1817, yesterday.' "'What have control done subsequently?' says Sir Bernard. "'Tracked on all frequencies, ask the Yanks for satellite recording, and investigations branch have hacked into all the CCTV cameras in the surrounding area,' he says." but all to no avail. So the next step? We're deploying resources to site, says Murphy. To go and have her nose around. Who are you using, says Sir Burnett. Agent Riverside. He worked with Constant on that op in Nice last year. And he abandoned her, didn't he? They're professionals, sir. I'm sure that's all forgotten. Murphy's eyes not agreeing with the lie. Keep me informed, Marcus. Yes, sir. Murphy hurries out, and Sir Bernard turns to watch the Thames flowing past outside his office window. Sir Bernard? Lawrence has appeared behind him. Sir Bernard turns. Ella Perris would like another quick word, if you have time. Of course, he says. Lawrence calls Ella in from the outer office. What can I do for you this time, Miss Perris? There's something I want to talk about, sir. Have a seat, he says, indicating one of the red chairs in front of his desk. The phone call from the hospital had come as a surprise to Agent Carling, as he had been expecting to wait longer before the prof was conscious again. But Morrison has woken up, and he's asking for him. As he pushes through the doors into the hospital, he can see Dr. Hansen, reading some notes at the nurse's station, halfway along the cold whiteness of the corridor. He stops near her, but doesn't say anything. She reads for a few more moments, then looks up and smiles at him. She tells Carling that his friend has recovered well, then leads him to the side ward, where Morrison is reading a book. The three of them talk for several minutes about the wound and Morrison's recovery. Dr. Hansen tells him that the knife did not damage anything major, but the skin will take several weeks to heal, and Morrison will need to come back to have his dressing changed every week. They go along with the pretense that Morrison lives in Copenhagen, even though the reality is he'll be travelling to Washington before any dressings need refreshing. Dr. Hansen asks Carling to sign the discharge papers. Look after him, she says. With a smile. The view from the street as Ella approaches the Swan public house in Wimbledon gives the impression of cosy old world charm. Amber light pushes out from the white window frames and casts shadows across the pavement. She chose this place intentionally to convey a relaxed, muted atmosphere, as this is the first meeting with Stefan since all the discussions with Marjorie. She buys a bottle of Spitfire beer, and sits in one corner, on a padded bench that lines the walls. She moves a round table near to her, so that it sits between her and the place she has earmarked in her mind for Stefan to sit. She checks her watch. Ten past. The bar is half full. Most of the after-work drinkers have gone home and the place is starting to fill up with the evening crowd. The door to the street swings open and Stefan walks in. He has high cheekbones, dark eyes and pale skin. His woolly hat is pulled down to his eyebrow ridge to fend off the cold and the tip of his nose is red from the walk. He looks around the place and sees her. She smiles first and he returns it. He points at the bar, and she shakes her head, indicating she has a drink already. A couple of minutes later, he brings his beer over to her, undoes his coat, and drops heavily onto the bench beside her. He leans over and kisses her on the lips. They talk about the days they've each had, although his is real, and hers was chosen, by Ella, earlier in the afternoon, out of the comms branch standard briefing document, A-17, daily cover events and communications for field agents. Stefan has been grappling with a new client account all day, and the woman, who is a CEO, has been particularly difficult, as she won't agree the detail of what the work is, until she has seen some draft ideas. Ella finds her mind separating out the conversation that she's having from a running narrative in her head that this man may not be trustworthy. As they talk, she realises she is trying to validate his every word, every event or person he talks about. Part of her feels sad for her loss of innocence. She moves the conversation on to Bristol and how she loves the city. And has he ever been there? He hasn't, he says. And that is the moment that she knows that she has to treat him differently from now on. She had danced around the evidence about him, But now she had heard something from his own lips that she knows to be a lie. Ella moves into a pre-planned conversation that she has memorised. She starts to build the relationship further, tells him that he's not like her previous boyfriends, and she is so happy. He responds in kind and holds her hand. She impresses herself with her ability to sound natural as she says the words that have been given to her. By 10.30pm, Ella says that she has an early meeting the next day, and needs to go. He doesn't seem to react badly, and appears to accept what she says. They part outside the pub, as he lives in the other direction. A message comes through to her phone when she's halfway home. Report, question mark, is all it says. She types a reply into the device. In two separate restaurants across London, Marjorie and Sir Bernard both read the screens of their phones as a message comes in to keep them up to date with what's been happening.